0: Welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin, and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. My daddy came and here he is, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, Mr. Jerry Man. Springer. Thank you. Yeah. yeah.
1: This is some huge stadium here. 23,000
0: yeah. people in front of us. Yeah, and next year
1: they're going to play the Super Bowl here. Speaking of the Super Bowl. Wow. Wait. And I honestly, I'm, I'm certainly not a Patriots fan. Um, but, and I, I just didn't particularly care who won. Although I did win money. Well, <laughs> don't
0: I won you the go, office. I how spring. that always turns out there? for you, Springer.
1: <laughs> I, I, I God, won the man, office. pool, But that was well, the greatest not, Super Bowl game
0: and I'm a, ever. I mean, I'm a Brady fan because I'm a Michigan fan. So to yeah. watch, like, I, I you oh, know, like halfway through it, I was like, okay, we're done here. He's the best ever. Oh my goodness.
2: So Megan and I were talking uh, before the show came because Je- Megan and I come down on the Loveless City bus, and then Jerry comes in this limousine with his entourage, et cetera. <laughs> but when you got here, we heard you talking to some people about your Super Bowl party. Not right. that you had one, but you go to one, some right. sort of snooty thing with a lot of rich people, and
0: how do you make the so- Super Bowl snooty? Jerry can do it. No, yeah, never mind. what am I thinking? So, didn't you
1: go to some like big deal celebrity Super Bowl party? <laughs> this is this is why if there's a revolution, they're going to throw rocks at my house. Yes, yeah. I yeah. have to stop remember quiet. that scene from Jivog, Dr. Doctor yeah, About oh, Forty families myself. walk in and <laughs> yeah. say, "Now we'll take this section." Well, uh, we flew over to we flew over to Boca Raton and where the party was, and it was very nice. I mean, it's every year that you were there once, but then. You didn't make the cut this year.
0: Regulations were tightened. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And they said security. No, they asked me if I was going to bring my pool boy. And (laughs) yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. And um, we didn't stay till the end of the game because it was what? Twenty eight three at one point or twenty eight nine. And so this is silly because I had to drop Mickey back home in Florida in the west coast of Florida and then fly north. To, to Connecticut cuz we had chose early Monday morning.
2: You did see the halftime show though. The halftime <gasps> show
1: was phenomenal. Yeah. Gaga was Lady great. G- but she I mean what a talent. I mean mm-hmm. not just a, a celebrity but a real real talent. And then I just remember we were just talking. I've met her. I worked with her. Really? Yeah, um I know you can't believe
0: it. I can't because I really really respect her. Oh
1: you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good one, Megan. <laughs>
3: Thanks, Gene. A
1: pile. (laughs) And Donald Trump is involved in the story. Tell us the story. This is perfect. In 2008, I worked for Trump when I was the host of the Miss Universe pageant. Oh, that's right. And that year, it was in Vietnam. And uh, each year, you know, during the finals, they always have one major, one act, you know, one major professional act, not one of the um, contestants. And at that year, it was Lady Gaga. And she was just kind of starting out. She wasn't yet through the roof.
0: Still a little Stephanie Giamatti. And so, yeah,
1: I mean, we would have meals together and all that during the course of the week. She was just a, a nice young lady and hoping to make it, you know, a very smart. She's very smart.
2: Mm-hmm. Serious question. Do you uh, never ask you this before, but do you know her? I mean, if. Because we ought to try to get her on the podcast sometime over the phone or whatever. Just yeah, she kind could of jump from the
1: roof right. down.
0: Yeah, into the table. I don't think we have retractable roofs yeah. here. Would at the you first guys school? like to have
1: Lady Gaga yeah. come in here sometime? Yeah. She was
0: pretty amazing. You know thing what I, is?
1: I don't know that she knows the words to Irene Goodnight. No, yeah. no. You know Let's what? Start. You may
0: be surprised. She is a classically trained artist. You may to with be Tony ver- Bennett.
1: She does. Someone and, I can relate to.
0: And they, and actually, he adores her. Have you ever yeah. seen them interviewed together? Yeah. Oh my gosh, they're so cute. They are so cute. Yeah. That, that, that's
2: she
1: really crushed it. Yeah, I hey,
2: forgot. <clears> and, you know, you were talking about celebrity. And uh, when I walked in here, David Pruce, our technical producer, pulled me aside. Hi, this hat. This is not the first time this has happened. Yeah. We get calls oh. onto our answering machine at the podcast office. Yes. <laughs> and I don't always hear them because the, the office is not in my home. Yeah. The and- office isn't in this world. <laughs> no. <laughs> And Our corporate office
0: is where and,
2: she? <laughs> and <laughs> it turns out mind. this is actually this is not funny. This this is wow. for the first time not funny for the first time. This <laughs> yeah, for the first time. You're the not only funny. guy
1: that doesn't have to introduce a joke that way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we just take it for granted. Do you know who the Russians are? Who the Russians are? The Russians. The country
2: Russia. Yeah, I can see it. (laughs) I can see it from
0: my house.
2: (laughs) Their president, Putin. Yeah, what did he do? Well, do you know? Here's the real question. Do you know Bill O'Reilly? You know Donald Trump? You know Lady Gaga? Do you know Bill O'Reilly? Yeah. Okay, well, apparently it's because of that association that this call came into our podcast office phone Mm -hmm. from apparently, according to David, somebody from the Russian government. Somebody kind of high up. We don't want it. That's and nice. I uh, asked him if he could queue it up. Do you have it queued yeah. up, David?
1: I do. Things Let, don't, let's. Yeah, things don't end well
4: if
2: you Well, let's hear what this is about, Oops. and I don't think this is a joke, and I don't think it's funny from what he says. Play it, yes. please, David.
4: Hello, Mr. Jerry Springer. This is Valencia Dostoevsky, communications consultant general for Russian President Putin. I am calling on behalf of Mr. Putin to demand that you extract from your Fox News colleague, Mr. Bill O'Reilly, a public apology for saying our president is murderer. This is an absurd accusation with nothing to back it up. Planes fall from sky every day, especially here in Russia, and people die every day for many reasons. And who are you, American people, to lecture us when you have had your own Bowling Green Kentucky massacre where 10 million people (laughs) die in streets? I will be monitoring your podcast to ensure that Mr. O'Reilly has retracted his statement. And one last thing, Mr. Springer. President Putin will be coming to your country soon to meet with his friend Donald Trump, and he's asking for me to acquire two things for him. One is one of Mr. Trump's extra long ties that hang down to knee area. And two, tickets to your television show so that we might learn American culture better. With backstage VIP pass. Thank you. I will be in touch for pickup, wow. and you do not have my permission to play this message on, on air of your podcasting. Thank you. Have a lovely day.
2: She say we do not have permission. She did. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. can't play that. Yeah,
0: can't
1: but that, play it. she no. said at the end that. We yeah, but she play doesn't that. speak English that well, so she had <laughs> so the translation role. <laughs> Clearly, she thought you're. She meant to say you have my permission to play it. I see. Okay.
0: And clearly she thinks yeah. that your television show is a representation of American yeah, culture. Yeah, an so amazing man? That's when frightening. You that. Well, that she, got, <laughs> she got that right. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah.
1: Who do you think our president is?
0: God, that's me so true. My God, culture. Jerry Springer, you're right. I, you,
1: mean, I begat okay. Trump.
2: And speaking of Trump, uh, and speaking of Russians,
1: yes, we
2: had a meeting the other day, a breakfast meeting with the yeah. chairman of the Ohio Democratic oh, Party.
1: This This is really true. David
2: yeah. Pepper. And oh, yeah. David Pepper is, I mean, if you're the chairman of the Democratic Party in Ohio, you're one of the, you might be the chair, state chairman of yeah. one of five major, major sure. states.
1: he's a big, he's a player.
2: Turns out he's a novelist. Really? Yeah. He wrote this book called The People's House. Talk and about get, it Yeah,
1: get, I urge you to buy the, if you're at all interested in what's going on with Russia and America right now and, and uh, Trump in the last election, uh, it, the book by David Pepper called "The People's House," and it is without, Amazon.com and it's an an easy way. I put it on my Kindle. That's one yeah. way to do it. Get the paper. And it, what's scary about the book? Basically, it's about how the Russians were behind fixing the machines, the voting machines. Don't give
2: it all the way away.
1: No, I won't. Yeah. In certain places, and it affected the election. The thing is, this book was written. A year ago, well, actually, probably when he was writing it, you know how long it takes to write a novel. It is scary. I'm telling you, make read it first, and then you know, and then I read it. But she was saying, "What does David know?" And then the weirdest thing: when we were at breakfast, unbeknownst to us, David worked in Russia for three years, and he had met Putin because yeah. Putin was an, a a low government official. He was mayor of a city? As no, vice... He was just like uh, 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 Catfish is, you know. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: catfish, the owner of the Folk School coffee parlor, city council member of Ludlow. Vice mayor. No. He, he was Lolo. vice... He was, actually, he was. He was vice mayor of... of uh,
2: uh, What's it, Kiev uh, or...?
1: One of the Russian cities. Yeah. Moscow. And he knew Putin. And he... he he remembered Putin at the time because he was a journal. David, I think, was doing some
2: journalism yeah, work at that doing- point. He's a Yale Law School grad, and and what's all the of book's that.
0: title again?
1: The People's, People's House. House. The People's I'm House. And everything that is happening now, it's like, oh my gosh. To um, so read it, it's it's worthwhile. Well, in fact, We're let's let's take that. it
2: one step beyond. Uh, Book I'm, Club. I'm about seventy percent done. It, it is a very, very fun read and very interesting. So I was thinking, anybody who lives in the greater Cincinnati area that's anywhere near Ludlow, Kentucky, uh, if you email me at gene at jerryspringer.com, jean is with a J, J-E-N-E at jerryspringer.com, I'm going to propose we have a one-time only book club. Love it. Because here's the thing. David Pepper, who I talked to last night about this, said, Hell yeah, I'll come down there and he'll join that he'll come so for the conversation. Cool. Yeah. And fill in all the backstory.
0: And anyone that's ever been in a book club to have the author sitting there with you it's would very be cool. amazing. And he'll yeah, sign copies,
2: et cetera. That. That's a good so idea. So
0: to plan
2: this, and we'll put something up on our website, but what if you just email me if you're interested, that includes people in the audience here and anybody listening, uh, then I will establish a date out into the future. We'll lay it out there about a month so people can read the book. Perfect. And i got to coordinate it with David's schedule, and boom, we'll have this conversation. i love that, Gene. And and Megan, you would do it, right? Oh, in a heartbeat. I will have it done in a few days, and uh, we're going to do that.
0: I just put it on my little calendar to read. Got it. Very cool. And on on top of that. Is the book
1: out in big print yet? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
0: Can't you well, have someone read it to you? Aren't you there yet? You, yeah. you can just have Well, some. And
1: I'm going to
2: get you for your birthday a magnifier, of one of these big things you hold. Oh, like, that's it's like great. a TV screen. You hold it in yeah. front of your face when yeah. you read your yeah. books. <laughs> yeah, oh you really could use that. <laughs> could yeah. so
0: anyway, that's that's going <laughs> to be a good look for Jerry. It
2: has to be a good look, Jerry. Oh, yeah. While he sits on his pad. It yeah. Sure will.
0: Here comes Jerry.
2: Hey, Megan, here's one more.
0: Oh, Gene, what you got?
2: Go to, and everybody sitting listening... Go to dailyaction.org right now. Here's what this is. They we have on our website already.
1: Huh? Let them wait till after the podcast. Nice. We don't want people listening to this, going to it right now, and then they miss the end of the podcast. I've worked a lot on can this. multitask. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, here's what this is. Did you lose
0: anything good there, Jerry? Anything important? It's one of my jokes. <laughs> 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 Nothing important, then. We good? Move along. <laughs> there is a thing
2: today called the resistance. Yes. And oh, it's yes. intentionally used. Yeah. You, know, you got to think of whatever. It's the resistance. So the resist. Some resistance people have created dailyaction.org there's another one that's part of the women's march that's the yep. second one yep. the first one part of the women's march is sort of bigger actions thought out into the future here's what dailyaction.org is you go to that and over on the right hand side you put in your phone number and your zip code and then what will come to you are text daily to do something and today the task was we missed it by just a bit but the task was Contact your congressman and senator. I did it. We I'm part of this now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So dailyaction.org, every day acknowledging the culture in 2017 is driving to work. You take your text phone or standing on a subway, and they'll give you every day something to do. And it's always something you can do on your phone. It's usually a phone call. And they'll even give you the verbiage, the script. You push a button and it says it. In recorded fashion, call your congressman and say this if you want to move this message. That's awesome. So that's going. That's on our website now, because we want to be on our website. Among other things, we want to entertain, and we want to be activists. Don't yep. we? Exactly. That's our nature. That's our history from several generations. Megan Hills, Gene and Jerry, same generation. Megan much I younger. I think
1: we should. People should be just get in the habit of showing up at these town meetings that yep. congressmen and women and uh, senators have, if there's one in your area and you just see a little thing in the paper, show up and let them hear. Let them hear, for example, on the Affordable uh, Care Act. And whatever your issues are, uh, if it's a senator you know, voting on Supreme Court nominees, show up, because even if you're in a very, let's say, Republican district, these congressmen, they need to hear that there is another side, and they show up, and next time they may show up at the election. In other words, you know, because right now, let's be honest, if you're in a district that votes one way, that your tendency is you don't even bother. Mm -hmm. Let's start answering back. Put some pressure on them. Because I'm telling you, if you're in elective office, they can say, oh, I'm not going to be persuaded. They worry. And they, in their own minds, they even exaggerate what the opposition is because they're so afraid of losing their job. That's a good point, and that's what we want to be. We
2: want to be the place where you know we are modern. We're on top of stuff. Everything is current, and we don't forget anything. It made me think of when we pulled up tonight. We get out of the car and. Jerry being the celebrity that he is, or people crowd around him every time we come into Ludlow. Both people and I saw were pretty you have a and conversation. one was seven years old. There it's... was an older because we you know we we're early seventies. He was hiding in the alley going. There was Psss. a guy came over and he would got into this big conversation with you and you're talking back and forth. What the hell was that all about? I didn't quite hear it all, but he was I asking sw- you a question, and he was pointing to his ear. I swear to God. Oh, you God. can
0: turn off the mics right now. We this, are done. I cannot no, anymore. This,
2: but Megan, <laughs> hold this on. Was, I just wanted to ask you, what was that all about? Because he was pointing to it his ear. It was really weird. He's
0: telling so, me. He's
1: got a hearing aid. He I'm, says, t- I'm flipping the table over. <laughs> we're finished. <laughs> he just said it was the finest hearing aid money can buy. What did you say to that? I said, what kind is it? And he said, four o'clock. Ow! Yeah! <laughs>
0: That's next time, it happens again. Yeah. We're getting
1: close to where there's not one laugh. Okay, here's... Like a yeah. I'm, I'm blaming like de- de- She's
0: right there. I'm looking at her. She laughs. Laughed.
1: Here's a grandson story. So, Richard, but actually, oh, this was hey. like... Yeah, this was like two years ago or so, and he's studying the planets. He's in, now in the second grade. Back then, I think, he was in kindergarten, studying the planets and, you know, Opa, how far, how far away is Mars, you know? And how long would it take to get there? And I said, oh... You know, probably about four years, mm-hmm. and he says, "Isn't there a shortcut?" <laughs>
3: God,
2: that's I as
1: bad as mine. <laughs> well, I, was that honest, I can't even. It's that wasn't honest, even a joke. He, he, no, he, he was no. being serious. I know. No. So what? How far? How long does it take you to get to Mars? And I said, yeah, you four to years. It. we already heard it. So I, if I say it louder, it's <laughs> funny. No. No. And then he innocently said, Can't they take a shortcut?
2: A shortcut yeah. Yeah. Did that's... the
1: astronauts ever think of that? No. No,
2: they never did they. We're, we're gonna stop question. this segment of the show and move right along.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
2: <laughs> what the hell's going on in the White House these days? Boom, <laughs> boom, Speaking of funny stuff. new glasses. <laughs>
0: This is where I'll it gets serious, folks. Yeah, I'm sorry,
1: <laughs> but I'm on the
0: back. Jerry's getting
1: okay. Admittedly, my fury, but I'm prepared to back it up as best I can. Uh, we are witnessing a coup. Now, a coup. I was hesitant to use that word, so I actually did look up the official definition, so I'm not just throwing because that excites people but it's the seizure of the state by military or other elites within the state apparatus. So this is a non-military coup that we are now witnessing, taking place every day. There's something else. No one thing is enough to make you go crazy, but you start adding it up, and I'm telling you, we're sitting here watching a coup. Now... Let's start out with the best um, understanding or the best explanation for why it's happening. Let's say it's unintentional. Let's say that's not what Trump means to do, that he's just an idiot or he's just, you know, he's not very bright when it comes to world affairs, political things. That's not anything he he ever learned or, you know, has any knowledge about. But if that's the case, if all this stuff is happening and it's really not Trump, it is all Bannon, and his people, if Trump really is just the puppet, then the response to that has to be, we cannot have this guy with his finger on the nuclear button. And we all kind of shake our heads. Yeah, that's right. Of course not. I mean, really, we're talking about blowing up the world. If this doesn't excite people, if we all joke around, and even people that voted for Trump and all that Let's be honest, even they are saying, well, maybe I like some of the things he's done, but yeah, he's, he's a little bit crazy, he's a little bit weird. Well, as soon as you admit that he's a little bit off the charts, why in the world would you let him be the one person that can blow up the world? Can't we, at least as a nation, get agreement on that? You want to vote for Trump next time? Go ahead and vote. That's your business. We'll argue about it. But in the meantime, can we agree that his finger should not be on the nuclear button? This is not an extreme point of view that I'm espousing here. Now, there's a United States senator from Massachusetts, Markey. There's a United States congressman from California to, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, T-I-E-U. They have introduced legislation that says that withdraws the power of a president to start to have first strike nuclear weapons in other words a president would still have the power if missiles are coming our way you don't have time to convene center or anything like that you got to give the president the power to strike back or to knock him out of the sky whatever So he can use nuclear weapons if literally we're being attacked, but take away the power of a president to on his or her own start a nuclear war first strike without a declaration of war from Congress. Isn't that rational? Because if we're going to start the war, you could convene. Now it could be you could have a private meeting of the congressional leaders. You know, I'm, I'm not saying you have it out in the open and let everyone know. But if there is something going on, and the, the, the people need to know about it through their representatives, you convene a private, a secret uh, congressional or Senate meeting in the Situation Room, where everything is explained, and they decide. Okay, we'll give you a declaration. And now we have the power to use nuclear weapons. Now, right now, there's a Republican Congress, so that's going to be difficult to pass. I am saying the whole country has to be made aware of that. I think Republicans have to be calling their congressmen and their senators and saying, pass this legislation. There is no conceivable reason why you would let one human being have the power to start a nuclear war and end the world. You can't even come up with a reason. This should be non-political, non-partisan. And I think you could get guys like McCain and some of the more responsible Republicans to say, good Lord, of course. There has to be something. You can't leave it like it is. So that's the response if you think that this coup or whatever is taking place just because Trump's not smart enough to realize what's going on and he's being manipulated by Bannon. Then the other side is more sinister, the other possibility, that this coup is, in a sense, planned. It's a long-term strategy, which we're now seeing happen not so long-term. We're now in the long-term. And what what is the evidence of it? The idea of the coup is to dismantle the American government. So you say, well, what are they talking about, dismantling the American government? Let me give you some examples. First, the cabinet choices. Virtually every, there's probably one or two exceptions, and I won't bother to try to pick them out. But virtually all the cabinet choices by Trump are people that are either incompetent, Admittedly so, have know nothing about the issue, or people that as a public record have wanted to do away with the department they're now in charge of running. The guy appointed the head of the EPA. He sued him how many times? Wants to do away with those regulations. Education, DeVos knows nothing about public education, believes that you know the money ought to go to uh Charter schools, vouchers, has never, ever had anything to do with public education. She's put in charge of that. Energy, Perry, in his famous debate last time, wanted to do away with the energy department. He's now head of it. Oh, I didn't know that we we're supposed to, that we keep the missiles. Didn't even know about it. So he's in charge of all the people in America. He's in charge of the energy department now. Oh, did I mention he's from an oil state? Uh, Health and Human Services Price wants to dismantle Medicare and Medicaid as we know it now. Eliminate the Affordable Care Act immediately without even a replacement yet. Uh, ben Carson HUD, he goes into the incompetent column.
0: God love him. I
1: mean, well, and, and you look—he was. A, I assume he was a great a uh, brain surgeon or whatever. You could be great in one area and know nothing. He admitted. He says, I can't run a government department. I don't think about it. Those are his words. And now he's head of HUD. The people that really need this low-income housing. Treasury. We're going to clean the swamp. So we let's get everybody we can from Goldman Sachs. Let's do away with Wall Street regulations. Wasn't that one of the orders? Commerce. Again, Goldman Sachs. So, okay, so th- and that's just the first thing. Think about it. Every one of these cabinet appointments is someone that would re- result in either purposely or through incompetence having that department become ineffective or basically done away with. Every one. That's just the first issue. Next one. We all say, which is true, the country is divided. And and we see now, just by going out with your friends, you go, you go to work, everybody you talk to. It's like, it's very hard to have a political conversation anymore unless it's someone that you know agrees with you. And otherwise, it's, it's pretty tense. The country's been divided before. It certainly was very divided in 1968. I've mentioned before that Those of us who lived through all these eras, nothing will compare with what was happening to America in 1968 in our lifetime. Cities burning, 58,000 people coming back in body bags at the war, you know, burning draft cards, everything. The whole country, assassinations, Martin Luther King, Bobby Kennedy, the riots at the Democratic Uh, the Democratic Convention in Chicago. I mean, just the whole country was falling apart. But 1974, we were greatly divided with Nixon. Greatly divided until the tape came out, but greatly divided. What is the difference? Why are we more, even though it doesn't look as violent right now as it was back then in all those, those times, what is the difference? Why, for example, am I more scared now than I was then? It's a fear. And I think this is it. And I just thought about it a day or two ago. We were watching another attack by Trump on the media. This is the difference. America has been divided in the past, obviously, with the Civil War. I mean, we've been divided. But there always were two institutions that in the end could arbitrate the debate and finally have the country come to a conclusion that it would accept even if it didn't like. And those two institutions were the media and the courts. When I say the media, in the early days of television, there were only three networks. And obviously you didn't have social media, you didn't have cable and all that. So because you only had three networks and you had to make sure that they got a signal so that they could broadcast, you had the FCC say, okay, CBS, you have this signal, NBC, this one, ABC, that one. Since there were only three outlets by which the whole of America, because remember, there were no national newspapers, there was only your local paper. So if you wanted to know national news, living in the 60s, for example, you had to watch the evening news which is why people like Walter Cronkite, Huntley and Brinkley, became institutions. Because no one questioned, I mean, other than extreme people, but generally, no one questioned their objectivity. In fact, Cronkite would end every broadcast by saying, that's the way it is. This is the 22nd of October, nineteen. I don't do Brinkley as well, but I do a great Cronkite. Uh, so, And that really was the comfort zone, because we knew Uncle Walter, no matter what was going on in the streets, he would tell it like it is and give some sense that there is an anchor in America. So, the country's falling apart with the Vietnam War. Demonstrations, riots, burning of draft cards, people running to Canada. The whole country's falling apart. And finally, in 19... I think it was 68. It could have been 67. Walter Cronkite goes to visit Vietnam, which usually didn't happen, that the news anchor left his desk. He didn't have live reports back there. So they had film, and then he would come back, and he had a broadcast on the CBS Evening News one evening where he said, Vietnam is not working. The government hasn't been telling us the truth. Things are in chaos there we're losing. It's over. Lyndon Johnson famously said, and it's on tape, so it's not a misquote, he said, the day I lost Cronkite, I lost the war. And a few months later, he stepped down and wouldn't run for re-election. Why? Because the media had such credibility that We could all scream and yell and debate issues and demonstrate everything. Divided country. But when the news said, this is what's really going on, you couldn't answer back. Because the media went there to look and reported on the facts. There were no alternative facts. And we trusted and believed, and for good reason, that the networks never were interested in one party winning over the other. They never had a morning meeting. And I can tell you, having anchored the news for 10 years in Cincinnati, God's truth, there never, ever, ever, ever was one single morning meeting where we said, what can we do to get this guy elected? Ever. And anyone, unless you're literally a criminal, no one in journalism back then, and in most newspapers today, unless you're a columnist, The morning meeting is not about that. You'd be thrown out by your peers. You know, I mean, there's like a code of honor that if you're a journalist, that's the first thing you learn. You don't do that. Now, the newspapers or the media is always against who's in office, against in terms of acting as the fourth estate, challenging what the government is saying. Okay, so that's the one arbiter. Now look what Donald Trump is doing. He is day by day through the campaign and since pointing them out at rallies in the back there. Look at that dishonest media. Look at those crooked reporters. Megyn Kelly, she's bleeding from you know where. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The constant bashing of the media, of anyone that hopefully will be objective. And we now live in a climate where the cable news has to pick one side or the other, and CNN, which in fairness tried to be in the middle, gets destroyed probably now more than anybody. The New York Times, they're all crooks, worst paper ever. Really? Really? Is there one journalist in America that if they could get a job in the New York Times, wouldn't say, hey, mom, I just got a job at the Times, This is great. <laughs> so they're beating up with Bannon, who was head of Breitbart News, they are working hard to do away with mainstream media that's one of the institutions that keeps america focused and what's the other one the courts 1974 country divided over richard nixon and it looked like wh- who's going to stop nixon he's not giving up the tapes and and really if you were living at that time it really look oh, we have a real constitutional crisis but even Richard Nixon understood that once the court says hand over those tapes and then we heard him game over the courts withstood the attempt of the divisive America to fall apart so there you have it it's hard to refute I mean the stuff I was saying it's not just an opinion just I'm just trying to bring in all the information that all of us have. I haven't told you anything that you didn't already know. It's when we put it all together, oh my gosh, is this thing really being planned? It's just too weird. Every cabinet official, and then you go after the only two institutions left that can stop the dismantling of our government, and they're trying to destroy that. There's only one question left then. If this is a coup, if this is intentional, what role did the Russians play? And why would the Russians want us dismantled? The Russians are never going to invade America, okay? That's bad movies. They're not going to What would they do when they got here? They don't even speak English. So uh, they're not coming over. What they would like to do, it is in Russia's interest, to have... Democracy and America delegitimized because we are the last stand for the rest of the world stopping Russian expansion. And so we suddenly have Trump saying, let's not support NATO. We suddenly have Trump this weekend when O'Reilly says, as you mentioned earlier, uh, do you respect Putin? And Trump says, oh, yeah, I respect him. And O'Reilly, to his credit, said, he's a killer. He murders the opposition, even recently. And Trump, defending America, God bless him, well, we kill people, too. You know, it's like he's so in bed with with Russia. And because if, if we can get America not to back NATO, not to back the Ukraine... This week, now, Russian troops forming in Belarus on the border, making up a story that Poland's invading Belarus. You know how World War II started? On September 1st, 1939, Hitler got some Nazi soldiers to dress in Polish uniforms and come across the border to make it look like Poland was attacking Germany. And he then said, we're being attacked, we're going into Poland. That started World War II. And now what you got is Russians making up this story that Poland is going to invade Belarus? Really? All these things are happening. We're not making this up. So if Russia is behind us and we see all the things, how all the intelligence agencies said they were involved in our election, uh, in the leaks. People now that apparently gave this information are being found dead in the Moscow River or in front of the Kremlin or whatever. They're suddenly being hauled off and killed. Uh, Russia obviously liking Trump, Trump always defending and doing every position that Russia wants. Trump takes that position. So we have to now find out, because the best thing that could happen is that what I'm saying is totally wrong. And the way you find that out is, number one, you make sure the Republicans go through with a full-throated, nonpartisan commission investigation of Trump and the election and the release of the tax returns. Now, why do I say the tax returns? It's not a matter of gotcha. Gee, you weren't as wealthy as you said you were. You didn't pay all your taxes. No. The reason you want to see the tax returns is because you want to see what deals he's made, where his money came from. Because there is a a school of thought. Why is Trump, of all people, so pro-Russia? Do they have something on him? Are there tapes? Are there videos? Are there. When we're having breakfast with David Pepper and we were talking about his book when he was in Russia, he reiterated what even Trump says. During the years of the Soviet Union, and even now, you go to Russia, if you're a businessman, you don't think they're taping your phone calls. There are hidden cameras, they know exactly who you've been with, who you're having dinner with, who you're in your room with. That's how they operate. That's not new. That's how they operate. That's blackmail. What do they have on Donald Trump that makes him suddenly so pro-Russia when it wasn't even a campaign issue? No one was questioning him on it. He's just suddenly become this rah-rah and quit saying bad things about Putin. He has never said anything bad about Putin. He says a hell of a lot of bad things about Hillary Clinton. So that's the pitch. I think our government is being dismantled. Now, is this the end? Does it mean it will? they will ultimately be totally successful? Hopefully not. We're going to fight back. But you would have a hard time making anyone believe, in light of all this evidence, that our institutions are not now being destroyed from within. If America gets defeated, it will be from within, not from anyone coming over from overseas.
2: Good stuff. We're bringing in the Young Heirlooms, our musical performers, for the evening. And as they're setting up, let me tell you a little bit about
0: them. It's a lot there are of them. There's six
2: members. There are a lot of folks coming in. <laughs> Whoa. Chris, Laura, Kyle, Kelly, Charles, Stephen. Do all of you have papers? Oh, that's, yeah. our,
0: whole, that's our whole audience. We got that's singers, guitarists,
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: mandolin, stand-up we up a bass, if we, a drummer. We could have a huge crowd if next week we invite the Mormon Tabernacle Choir. Right? That's right. <laughs>
0: 12 piece orchestra from now on. This Welcome, awesome. guys. Good
1: to see you. Hey, thanks a lot for doing this.
2: Seriously. Start us off with a song. Here we go The Young Heirlooms. You guys are really good. That was good. fantastic. That was very That's very great. Part. I'm
0: glad you like gorgeous. That
3: one. That's
2: Chris, Laura, Kyle, Kelly, Charles, and Stephen, and it's the Young Heirlooms. And by the way, you can get their music at youngheirlooms.com. You have recorded an album. It's being mastered as we speak. Correct.
5: Correct. Okay. Ooh, oh, great. Mm-hmm. So
2: you have roots in the what we call the tri-state area, Greater Cincinnati.
5: For the most part, we yeah. are a group of six, but I'd say over half. From this area. Okay. Laura Bach uh, hails from Memphis, Tennessee. All right. And uh, Mr. Kyle Elkins has lived in Colorado but grew up in Michigan.
2: Okay. And but everyone
5: else is from around here.
2: Tell us a little bit about the group. How long have you been together? And
5: Sure. Well, my name's Kelly for all our listeners. And Chris and I have started this. We started this group seven years ago now, which makes me feel old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, old heirlooms. Um, mm-hmm. And Kyle, our bass player, joined us, I'd say, about two to three years in the journey, and we've had some rotating members, but for the last two years, we're happy to say this is our official lineup.
2: Well, it's really cool, really good sound, Um, and your second song is Bury Me With My Hammer, right? Yes.
5: It's about accepting what you find your life's calling to be, which we've decided is this, so nice. we're gonna be doing this till we're buried with our hammers. Oh, <laughs> Love <nice>. it. <laughs> Thank
1: you. You gonna take the mandolin too? <laughs> not no. on this number.
3: <laughs>
0: we're gonna ask you not to
2: talk anymore, Jerry.
0: Your portion is done.
2: Here we go.
3: By the water, rushing next to me.
1: This isn't a joke. This is a serious. How does this start? I mean, you're all so good and yeah. so creative. Now you write your own songs. Correct. And who does most of the writing? Or well, you both do equal writing? Yes. Okay. So you do the writing, and then because you have harmonies and. Sure. There are
5: a lot of stages, and there are a lot of yeah. steps in the in that process and in that development of the song. So starts with an idea, a skeleton of an idea, a melody, a lick, uh, something, even a lyrical note, like a lyrical comment.
1: Oh, so it's not always the same. It's not always always the same. You don't always write the words and then let's get attuned to this. Correct. Okay.
5: But one thing that is rather consistent is uh, we'll come up with the basic idea and then we'll kind of separate the time. Uh, with doing vocal sectionals and doing full band rehearsals and oh, small so cool. ensembles, in yeah, in yeah. On yeah. It. because it, it's a lot to work yeah. out of vocal harmony when you have six people held captive. Oh sure, so it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not yeah. just one
1: person sitting in a room and writing right. an an and, and it doing out. that. Yeah. And last question on that is: uh, is this how you make your living, or do you? Uh, I know a lot of, for example, band, not the kind of music you play. But bands, you know, they play at night, various clubs, but during the day, they're selling insurance or doing whatever. This, you're...
5: It is our goal and ambition for 2017 to make this our full-time living. (laughs) However...
0: And she's going into politics. That was brilliant. (laughs) Yes. Allow me
5: to field all your questions. Um, No, yes, we are all... Quasi gainfully, we employed. <laughs> no, yeah. Yeah. gainfully employed. No, not gainfully employed. We are working. We're yeah, working I don't have band a Amazing. And we're, yeah. Yeah, we all have day jobs of sorts. Some have evening jobs. Sure. We're piecing yeah. it together, but it's our goal to.
1: I, this is wonderful. I mean, there's right. no punchline here. I'm not making so a joke. I like really it. respect what you're doing. Yeah, you do. It's incredible. Are you trained
2: musicians, all of you, or are you? Some classical background? Some or?
5: self-taught, he some official. Went, he went young man has his master's <laughs> in classical bass performance. <laughs> um, so and cool. we, we tricked him into doing this instead of going to work for an orchestra. Yay! <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This
0: is so much cooler. I love the orchestra, but this is so much cooler. <laughs> we well, think he likes it.
2: take us out on Irene Goodnight." Night. Would you yeah, and Jerry will yeah, yes. jump just in on the not Talk among
1: yourselves. I'm going to blow my nose. <laughs> oh, <sure. laughs>
0: Pretty yeah. sexy in it. Okay. Oh yes. <laughs> we
5: this can follow us online at um, on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram at Young Heirlooms and our yep. website of course YoungHeirlooms.com. Awesome.
1: the country and sometimes I live in town oh sometimes I take a great notion to jump in the
0: river and ride <laughs> alright you've been listening to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Foolery. Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com.